Hello, before we get started with today's episode, I just want to get some housekeeping out of the way, and that is, in this episode, we do talk about a topic that had been previously discussed in another episode, being our spooky TV shows and episodes, and like I said at the end of that episode, we are talking about The Haunting of Hill House, and that is today. So, we will be covering the first three episodes, and if you want to hear us talk about them more, which I want to talk about them more, So definitely give us an email, which is in the show notes below, saying, hey, talk about The Haunting of Hill House more, because I have so many sticky notes that talk about the theories about this show. So please, email us. I'd love to hear from all of you who enjoy our show, and we all appreciate you very much. Speaking of appreciation, as of right now, which it is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021, we hit 345 listens. As of last Wednesday, we were at 280 listens. So over the past like week, you guys just absolutely went crazy listening to the podcast and showing us your support. And each and every single one of us here at Cinematic Rewind Studios appreciates you so much. All the hard work and effort that we put into making these episodes, editing, doing some research on these movies so we can provide you with an entertaining experience. You make every second of that worth it. So from the bottom of all three of our hearts, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoy the banter, the debate, and all the stuff we're about to get into. So let's start this show. Warning. The following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Today we will be covering the first three episodes of The Haunting of Hill House. Joining me today to talk about that is Cookie. Hey, what's up everybody? And Regent. How's it going everyone? So this is actually one of my favorite pieces of horror and actually one of my favorite pieces of TV in general. Reason for that being is how each episode is crafted individually to tell a nonlinear story that is so character-based. I absolutely love how Mike Flanagan nailed the series, dude. He rewrote it from the book, which, by the way, it was written by Shirley Jackson and they did make a movie about it a very long time ago. It was very different, but the rewrite is absolutely phenomenal. So before I continue to gush over this, Cookie, what did you think of the first three episodes? Seeing your energy about it, it's like, okay, this series is awesome. But outside of that, I enjoyed it just from like an average viewing. It's not necessarily something I would brag about or post on social media like, hey, I watched this. It's something that I could fill the time with. That's my immediate summary of the first few episodes. Would I want to finish the rest of it? That's a conversation to have during this podcast. Ooh. And what about you, Regent? I'm kind of in the same boat as Cookie, but as someone who's enjoyed horror movies growing up and things like that, I did enjoy the show a little bit more than him. I would gladly watch it again with you know friends that enjoy a good horror movie. Fortunately, I did not come as a fandom from the book or anything like that, so I do apologize to those listeners out there who are, the book is better than the movie, or, or the movie is better than the book, but that's what we're here for. Different strokes, different folks. Indeed. 
So speaking of the book, the book came out on October something, 1959. I did watch a YouTube video that talked about the book, and now the book is structured completely different from how the TV show is structured. In the book, there's a whole bunch of people that are invited out to a house in order to sort of have an experience or an experiment with this house. And now there are characters that are in the book that appear in the TV show, but there's also characters that are split. One of the characters in the book is actually split into Shirley and into Theo. Both those characters were sort of one character in the book, which is a really cool thing to hand like tackle, but they did it so well in the TV show. But the first episode of this TV show is absolutely phenomenal. It's a great entrance into this new horrific but also tragically beautiful world of that Mike Flanagan has created. And in the beginning, you get introduced to the Crane family and you get to see them as like young kids and they're all excited about this house. And you get to see how they all interact with each other and the house is just full of love. But there's little hints here and there. There's something darker. And of course, that red room is set up pretty quickly with that red door. And later on in the series, you do get to figure out what that red room is. And man, the way that they set this show up. <laughs> I can't stop gushing about it, but it's great. Regent, what did you think about the way that Mike Flanagan introduced us into this horrific, sad world? I mean, you can keep gushing and we'll just keep trying to push that river of tears and gush. <laughs> Awkward! <laughs> As someone who's watched a lot of horror movies growing up and things like that, I appreciate the nod. Uh, the dot of the family going having a new home and experimenting but as someone who's collectively watched a lot of horror movies i feel like that's now become almost i don't want to say a mockery but it's also a borderline like simple theme you have a bunch of movies that have done like the conjuring you had like 13 ghosts you had the haunting and there's countless other movies even before the show that have done the same thing where people go into a house that's a property that's respectfully haunted quote unquote or something supernatural about it and they have to withstand whatever it is for some means in this case you know new home family memories and trying to make a life out of it the episode itself was very good as a starting point for it i will give them that i did like that they did explain the different kids like everything that happened how they spread became their own people but also like that it pulled them back to the house it feels like it very took that page almost from it the chapter two in the miniseries when they bring the loser club or the lovers club back to Derry to confront Pennywise, and then they find out about the one member passing away from cutting himself. I think it was Stan. Yeah, cuts himself in the bathtub. It very much paid a, a nod to Stephen King about having these intricate individual characters, but then tying it back to a role theme, which is the house in itself. Yeah, funny story about that is Mike Flanagan actually grew up watching horror movies and apparently it pretty much scarred him. Some of the horrors that he watched scarred him for life. And so he tried to go from horror movies to books. He thought that would be a easier way into the world of horror. So he started reading Stephen King, which he says was a mistake. But the first one he read <laughs> was, in fact, it. So... I think this is him paying homage to Stephen King and to his work, but he did it in his own way, and that I really liked. We're going to go to you now, Cookie. What did you think about the introduction to this world? Well, when I got started with the series, visually, it looked beautiful. It was crisp. It was clean. Uh, the color scheme was very subtle. I can appreciate it. It felt uneasy, but yet inviting which I can definitely give them credit on that. I like how Regent explained kind of the history of some of these horror movies because 
I didn't know, but internally, that's kind of what was happening to me was that watching a bunch of those movies, like he spoke about Conjuring It and various others, the whole idea of a family moved into a house. No, it can't be haunted. It, no, none of these can be real. And then all these things start happening. I couldn't help but have a little chuckle because... <laughs> Whenever you see something like this, you're like, do you all not have these movies in life? <laughs> you know, like, you're like, in your universe, do you not have people warn you about this stuff? Like, hey, if you come in here, this might be haunted. These things might be real. So that's why for me, when I started watching it early on, I was trying to get interested in it. But a part of me was just like, come on, do y'all not notice you're putting yourselves in danger or putting yourselves in a really awkward situation? It, it was something like that that kind of already affected me. Outside of that, though, I can also give credit, though. I really did enjoy the whole aspect of the future and the past. Whenever I have storytelling like that, I can enjoy where like this stuff happens in the past. Okay, here's a shot in the future. There's pros and cons to that because the pro is you can develop a lot of that whole questions, which I did. I, I have a lot of questions and I don't hate the questions I have. A lot of the questions, especially with me being only three episodes in, I have a lot of questions and it's good questions of like, okay, I want to learn more about this. What happened with this character? Why did this character do this? Why is there symbolism on this? The downside for me, though, by telling a story this way is, okay, I know who lives through what. When you show me in the past what character is doing this and that, well, I know they're going to live. Whatever danger you show me, I, I, they're functioning as an adult now. Even if they're messed up in the mind, they're still functioning as an adult. So I'm going to lose some of that fear, like, you're not really going to die when you're younger. So, like, for example, not to take too long on this point, but, like, it. If we saw future and past of it, and we saw who was alive and who wasn't, you lose kind of that fear of which kid's going to die. Just because the clown is there, like, you're going to live to see the future. So how much of the fear is it that he's chasing you? You're going to outrun him or escape or something. So that's kind of like my pieces for the first episode. Okay. I'd like to actually go in on that, that non-linear story with the pros and cons. With the pros, I definitely agree. It does build up that interest and that intrigue, and you definitely get more invested in the story. But with your cons, I definitely see something I want to maybe debate about with how the risk of the characters, you don't fear for them as kids. But that's not true. And the reason I think that is because this story isn't always about who lives and who dies. Because at this point, these are kids and what molds them into adults. Because these characters are representations of the five stages of grief. As you have seen in the first episode, Luke is portrayed as a drug addict. Can I ask a question, though, while you're on that part? How are we supposed to know as viewers that these are the five stages of grief? So that is something that you learn later. As it goes on, you get each episode dedicated to each person. And by the time you get to a certain episode, you learn where that grief comes from. Now, I'm not going to spoil that. You do learn that as you go on, once you see all, all of the kids have their individual episode, and then it does eventually lead to an episode where you figure out that they are. They're not going to flat out tell you, but if you pay attention, you do eventually get to see that. I'm not satisfied with that, but I think it's fair. You have to watch the whole entire series mm -hmm. to really get a picture, which I can respect that. I see what you're doing. Back on that point of what happens in the past, sure, they may live, but at what cost? What do they lose? You know, Luke loses his 
sense of life, his purpose. He goes down a dark path. He could OD. He could die. Sure, he might not die as a kid, but he could easily die as an adult by the end of this season. And of course, with Nellie, we got to see that she may have survived, but because of all the traumas that happened in her life that literally drove her to the point of desperation. Like, she was so desperate to have someone, you know, there because she called all of her siblings and no one, none of them picked up. So she went to the one place she thought she could get some answers. She died. So, yes, there's no stake immediately that will kill the kids, but it's not always about past. It's about the journey of getting to the present and what happens to them at the point that we're introduced to them at of their adulthood. So for how the show was displayed, it was displayed as a horror. You can even look it up. It says horror outright. Mm -hmm. Watching it and hearing your explanation, it feels like a drama. It doesn't even feel like a thriller. It doesn't feel like a horror. It just feels like a drama. I'm not saying that like that's a bad thing, but if I'm being put in a position to enjoy this, and you tell me, hey, like this is the type of film it's going to be. It's a horror. I'm already being prepared for, okay, what dangers are to occur. This is probably my favorite part of the series thus far, as far as I'm in, is the whole teasing of the ghost. How each one can kind of see one, the others don't necessarily believe it, and then the ghosts are very scary, and then like the images that are popped up. I do like that part. Especially if you take out that piece, it just really feels like it's a drama. And I think the challenge about that is how am I supposed to stay invested to learn about the characters episodes in? Because this is not a short series either. You're talking about hours have to go in to get each characters and how much of that has invested me in the beginning to stay interested that long. I can see where you're coming from with that. In all fairness, like to judge it, you really do need to sit down, watch all the episodes. And now I, I get your critique of how am I supposed to stay invested past episode one if I know that they live because you know that they die. In episode one, it's set up immediately that they're not safe from that house. You know, Nellie dies. Yeah, but three episodes in, I guess, like I still don't feel enough of a fear if that makes sense like nine hours is a lot to ask a viewer to watch i guess it's one thing to watch a two-hour movie there's people who complain about a three-hour movie like sit through transformers for three hours <laughs> you know like <laughs> or you know go through braveheart and hold on to four yeah exactly so that's kind of where it is it's like i i can't front it's just three hours in I, I respect the craft. There's the things I enjoy, but I don't want to hawk over why, like, keeping me interested, but it's just something for me as a overall critique. Like, yes, I, I think it's fair to also to add to your point is if I complete the series, I get the whole picture. But that's the challenge I'm having is, you know, it's kind of like that journey of life. Like, keep on going. Like, when you get to the destination, the whole journey is great. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, I I'm trying to stay interested, but like it's like a such a slow burn. I just, I, I just feel like in the short, you're explaining the scene from Clockwork Orange when he's being indoctrinized by watching that film over and over, and his eyes are being forced open. I wouldn't say it's that bad. <laughs> I can see myself enjoying it. It doesn't capture me to want to watch the next episode. You know how it is when you watch a series, you're like, I don't care what time it is, I gotta see what happens next. I gotta see what happens next. This show, I can definitely finish it, but it will be such a casual finish. It just doesn't draw me to be like, I have to see what happens next. I have to see what happens next. I got you. 
Regent, would you say you agree with Cookie of not feeling that there's enough stakes or fear, I should say, for you to keep going with the show? I mean, to be frank, the series did come out almost three years or two and a half years ago, and I just watched it last week. So that would say volumes about my interest in the show, at least in the initial beginning. But I'd have to agree with them. Like, there's just as, as good as the show is in direction that it's focusing on. I just feel like there wasn't genuinely enough to keep me one come back every week. Like, oh, I got to turn tune in this time or this episode gets released every, you know, three in the morning on Netflix. Got to watch it then or wait, watch it when I first wake up. It doesn't drive me the same way as other content does. And like I said in the beginning of the episode, different strokes, different folks. So I know there are some people who felt about this way, which I believe you fall in that category of you wanted to watch what's next because of the production and the way the show is a slow burn to build up and pay off. Like, that's totally fine. So I'm not going to kick down your door and criticize because it's your pace, your opinion, your taste. I'm cool with it. My personal thing, it would just be, you couldn't make me sit down and be like, hey, we're going to spend the entire day watching this. I would sit there and be like, I'd rather watch the extended edition of Lord of the Rings from back to finish than do that. I've got duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> you are trying to force me to watch Lord of the Rings. But <laughs> jokes on you, I can actually do it, but I might fall asleep here and there when I've seen things too many times over, but uh, I can finish it. Yeah. So we have talked about this for a while, and I, I, you know, I respect both of your opinions on it. I can see where you're coming from, and I do think not finishing the series has impacted that, but I don't want to spoil any of that. So why don't we go ahead and move on to the later half of the episode where, you know, they're all adults, and you get to see how each of them is living their life, how they're all interacting with moving on from the haunting Honestly, before we jump into this, I was expecting you to be like, I respect both your opinions, but you're totally wrong in this circumstance. Nah, dude. <laughs> I actually was waiting for you to poke the proverbial bear, but like, oh, we gonna go again, aren't we? Round two, someone ring the bell and get Bruce. That would have been here. a great segue, just, <laughs> just come on in. I mean, you're not wrong, fuck both your opinions, but for the sake of being, you know, nice, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> That's what I say, this, this is a rewind podcast, let's do this. <laughs> I do like the second half of the episode. Actually, I enjoyed all three episodes. I don't want to come off too negative. It just doesn't draw me enough. Now, I've already talked about that. So I do want to talk about a critique. Let's go ahead and critique it. Uh, as I said earlier, like the presentation, the actors, every single person did great. Like I actually had to go back and look at the cast because like the father, for example, I know for a lot of people it was obvious, but the two men who did the younger and the older father, they performed so well. I actually, at one point was like, is that the same guy? And he just dyed his hair black to be younger because of just how they spoke to the children, the way they presented themselves. I could tell there was a craft in even who they hired to perform. And I can definitely give them that. The, any negative I have to the series, I don't feel like it has anything to do with the cast itself or the presentation overall. I think it might be a little bit on the writing. So you know what's funny about that? The main actor um, who played the father, when they casted him first, they actually had to focus on the family looking similar to him in the, in the hiring and auditioning process. They just didn't want to throw in <laughs> random actors and be like, you don't even remotely look like this person. How can we pass you off being this person's literal child in the show? I appreciate that. That is something I can greatly appreciate. And it was believable. Some shows, when you watch it, you feel like you're watching actors perform. It definitely did feel like 
this was believable for these folks. Their performance was really well. They looked like a family. I really appreciate them having real actors and actresses to look similar to that. And I appreciate that because you can tell in the performance, they looked like a real family. The performances were really well. Each personality was very distinct. They really did look like they could be a family, not only just from interaction, but even their looks, they definitely looked similar. And even from the kids, sometimes when I saw the kids, it was just so believable <laughs> how they looked like the adult counterparts. I could feel like I literally was looking in the past. Yeah, definitely. Like that was one of the things that when I first watched the TV show, when it first came out, I definitely noticed and I really appreciated how much went into making sure that the cast of both their younger selves and their older selves matched up and especially their older counterparts completely knocked it out of the park with some of their performances, especially in like episode four and on. They all kill it, especially Victoria, who plays the adult Nelly. Every scene that she's in, once you see it from her perspective, it's just heartbreaking. And it's so well done. I really appreciate it. What did you think, Regent? I mean, if you're talking about the the contrasting from the younger actors to the adults, I mean, fairly well done portrayed. Basically, you had to have the kids try to be, you know, the siblings and be around each other and try to have that brother-sister relationship of some sort and the parents looking over. But then allowing them to grow into their own beings and have their own, you know, separate lives as their own personnel, just trying to find out who they are. Overall, I think it was good, but I just don't think it's anything to, like, have a long conversation over because it's kind of what a lot of TV shows do when they have a group of kids growing together and then they do the whole jump, like, oh, so many years later, and they're their own person doing their own thing, and they're reminded of the people that they originally were around, or it brings them back to their family they haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, since we did bring up the idea that each of the kids is one of the five stages of grief. The main focus of this episode, yes, is the entire family, but this is really one of Steve's episodes. You get to see him, of course, go through a traumatic thing of being woken up in the middle of the night by his father taken out of the house. All the kids are crying. He's screaming for like, where's mom? Where's mom? Dad's like not answering. And we don't exactly get to see every little thing that happens that night, but we do know it was some semblance of a traumatic experience. And we see him become the form of denial, which he just denies the existence of ghosts or anything supernatural. And he spends his life trying to debunk it only for it to be real by the end of the episode to him. The title of the episode is Steve Sees a Ghost, which is kind of funny because throughout the entire episode, he's denying that ghosts are real. And then at the very end, he sees one. I think that they did a really good job at making sure that he did embody denial really well. But what did you guys think of them trying to work that into the plot? I know, Cookie, you didn't pick up on that yet. Could you kind of see it now through, you know, the lens of this conversation? Oh, yeah. Once you point out denial, yeah, definitely. I can agree with that. That's my case about that is at least early on, which I can respect that once you watch the whole thing and look in reverse, okay, here's all the stages. If you do it that way, yes, definitely. Easily denial for sure. What about you, Regent? I know you pick up on a lot of these things pretty easily. In fact, you're one of the people that does pick up on like minor details. So what did you think about this? I mean, I could definitely see the denial part of it. I didn't really register the five stages until you brought it up and the light bulb turned on. But no, I can absolutely understand the denial process that they were trying to portray in this episode, especially with one particular member passing, which I'll let you 
just discuss that here in a moment. It definitely came across as a psychological like understanding of Count Love was lost, or it's something you you've in your family that's passed, but you haven't come to terms with it. Like you feel like they're still there. So you mentioned the fact that Nellie does in fact die in this episode, and there's one minor detail that I want to just ask, and I'm not going to explain it, but I am going to ask both of you if you've picked up on this. Have either of you watched past episode three? No. Not recently. Okay. So you might not pick up on this. So when Luke shows up at the close to the end of episode one, did you guys notice anything about him, about his behavior? Other than he seemed like he was probably on drugs. That was it. Okay. Okay. Because if we ever talk about one of the episodes, that detail becomes incredibly important. So I'm not going to spoil that because when you actually put it all together, it works into that mind-blowing reveal in episode four, I believe. No, episode five, The Bent Neck Lady. Okay, well, we can go ahead and give a shout-out. If if our viewers would like for us to discuss the rest of the series, I will gladly watch the rest of it. Yes. So if you want us to review the other seven episodes, let us know. Please do it. Do it. So that is definitely a detail I do want to point out in the future, but we can go ahead and move on to episode two now. And this one mainly focuses on Shirley, the second oldest, who happens to run a funeral home. What did you guys think of this episode? I will go to you first, Regent. I find it interesting that she runs the funeral home post a fixation from her own mother's funeral, wondering the ability of how a mortician can make someone look like nothing ever happened to them. Or in this case, to fix Olivia to her natural beauty, which drove, you know, Shirley to become one known her own business with her husband. I find it interesting because for most people, like something traumatic drives them to change or do something to not want to repeat it. But in this case, she wants to be there to fix it or treat it as though it never happened, which I feel like is another form of denial. So I will definitely get into that, but I will let you know that she is, in fact, anger, which can sometimes come in the form of control. But I'm going to save that for a little bit later on. Cookie, what did you think of this episode? Oh, my gosh. Anger? <laughs> I feel like you're saving the series for me. <laughs> it's like, you got to dig real deep. Can I not get this on one viewing? <laughs> but it's so masterful and artistic and it, ah, go. <laughs> That's fair. I'm like that kid that comes to the table, eat a fine cuisine, and was like, this is good, and then runs away. And it's like, <laughs> you, you didn't appreciate the middle of the craft. A lot of love that was put into it. I This was my favorite of the first three episodes. I think it's because I like her character, the one that was portrayed for this one. When watching this one, it almost got me a little bit more interested. And sadly, I would say the episode three is where I started losing interest. With episode two, the reveals on this one, or I don't know if it was reveals, I should say, but the additional character building and a little bit more of the storyline being dropped, I liked where it was going, especially the part of like the past coming back, you know, going to the funeral when she met the funeral director. I liked that little nod, kind of was like that little drop where it was like, oh, I might be interested in this, but it was still a little weird how kind of like what regent was talking about how like this will impact her but yet it was kind of out of hurt and somehow it affected her life even more i don't know kind of hard for me to explain i want to jump off what regent said that's kind of how i feel the same way about that is like how did that really direct her life with those little moments added to her pain that she was going through 
but otherwise though she's my favorite character overall i would say at least at this current point i actually did like the first guy in the beginning uh the brother who wrote the book and stuff i did start enjoying his character just because i like how everybody in his family was kind of having an issue with him it was just kind of fun to watch that it was like he's kind of a, a douche about it but this is interesting. He wasn't enough to keep me interested in the series. But with her, I think I just like the dynamic of the stuff that she was going through, paying for her brother's rehab, trying to balance out her marriage, family, her kids, and so forth and like that. She was just a very interesting character to, to view. Yeah, definitely. When I saw the series for the first time, I actually hated her because of her wanting to control everything and then trying, literally trying to control all of her siblings to not take Steve's money from the book. So I didn't like her initially, but I did grow to appreciate her as the series goes on and on maybe my sixth rewatch. So, oh, wow. <laughs> I think he likes it. I think he likes it, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But. I think this episode does something so well and that is like everyone processes grief differently and everyone processes like death, especially for Cheryl. This episode was her first brush with death being the kittens and she sort of became like a paternal figure there because like Olivia pointed out like they can't live without her mother and she sort of becomes like the mother to these kittens feeding them trying to take care of them and to a kid losing all those kittens is absolutely devastating and traumatic example being I had kittens they died when that happens she tried to have some form of control about it she had this little funeral for her but at the center of it she tried to have hope that they could still be alive and of course the house squashed that to death with a bug crawling out of its mouth I I love that scene. Oh my god! I mean, yes, it's classic horror, it's but the same. Watch, look, look, look. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's definitely classic horror, but it definitely works in the favor of her solidifying that she needs to have more control. And so then, when her mother does die, it only makes sense for her to be fearful of death, to fear that maybe something is wrong, like the kitten with the bug crawling out of its mouth. So she doesn't want to see that from her mother. And so when he says, I can fix her, make her like normal, that inspires her to have that sense of control of, I can make death look like what I want. And that's out of anger and the non-acceptance of death. And it's such a good way to write anger in not this like loose cannon form, but in control. So I really, really, really appreciated that. You sound like creating like a, a Marvel Universe theory. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know the meme where the dude from Always Sunny <laughs> on the wall? That's how it but sounds like you just true. have these episodes. Like, she, you know, she's like anchor and she does this and this is kind of like representation of that and this is why she <laughs> like I just see you just like with a cigarette, <laughs> you set the wall with post notes everywhere, stickers, strings, and you just like, listen to me, man. This is the series. <laughs> to this. Uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but yeah, those are some of the things I picked up on and across, you know, reading several different articles and watching several different videos, breakdowns of the series, I've learned more about it. And it's something I never get bored with. It was definitely interesting notes to have. And then that scene where she's taking care of Nellie's body. Oof. She's doing the makeup and all that. And it flashes back to, you know, the wedding day and she's doing her marriage. It just breaks. And then she like breaks down. That's another Ooh. reason why I love that episode. Oh, man. That for me is good horror. 
where it's not about trying to be jump scares. It's the dealing with life, death, memory, present, emotions. It was just a great mixture of everything. It was scarier than it looked. I can enjoy cinema like that. No, no, don't stop. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing what we call pandering to him. Yes, yes. (laughs) This this pleases him too much. (laughs) Yes. But then her seeing her mom, you know, envisioning what it might have been like to have her mom in the funeral home. And then, of course, the mom has a box of kittens. Oof. Dude, when I first watched that, I watched it like pitch black. Spooked the crap out of me. Definitely a good episode. But what did you think, Regent? How they handled horror to not only be just jump scares like your typical Netflix horror, which, sorry, Netflix, a lot of your horror kind of sucks because it's all jump scares. Mike Flanagan went about it being, his mission was that horror isn't just something that jumps out and scares you. It's sometimes just sad and it was really good, but what did you think about that, Regent? I mean, honestly, the more realistic it can be, the better for horror, because like you just said a moment ago, it doesn't always have to be jump scares or twists and turns, like an M. Night Shyamalan movie of you know the last five to ten years. Please do not watch any of them. But when it comes to horror, like real realistic things that do happen in our life can absolutely be horrific, regardless of it's sad, traumatic distraught like there's so many different psychological emotional forms of horror that we go through you know in our lifespan that bringing that into play would draw more realism than just a peekaboo i see you response and reaction it's definitely a good show to me to me cookie we're now gonna talk about your least favorite episode so far being touch episode three and i want you to lead this episode what did you think okay i like the character she was cool my issue with it where it pretty much lowered me wanting to move forward my first reaction just being straight clear with it was this feels so slow i felt like by episode three i was like why is this not drawing me why do i not feel like we've progressed and even having this conversation it's like well i I think it really didn't progress it's kind of like just two time periods but also what was kind of a little bit confusing was they did do a lot of jump in this episode. They went through multiple time periods, which I can respect that when you have to do different things. You know, they went to the wedding and then they went back to here. Here was the death. And then this is back to when we were kids. This is the present. And it, it was a lot to keep track of, especially not to be mean, but because the characters were all similar because they were supposed to be like a family, it was kind of hard to keep track of all the kids and who they were as adults. Not to make an excuse, but it was just that's a lot of characters to keep up keep up with, especially with the kids. Like the, the girls all had dark hair. So when you go back to them being kids, it's like that that was part of what was messing me up in the episode. It was like, okay, which which one's the daughter? Which one's this? Eventually I started picking up on okay, each episode is starting to focus on a different adult okay cool but i also feel like that kind of is what started to hurt it was i didn't notice myself invested enough to care to see every single kid's struggle i know at this point we already saw which we kind of skipped over which was the the mother's i'm assuming it was the mother's death because i'm only a few episodes in but the part where the dad you know got everybody out the house and he was like we just gotta leave and you just see all that crazy shit which that was another part that I really liked from this series. I feel like that was the only driving force I have now to be like, okay, where are we going with this with all the characters? Like, is this kind of seeing how they're all screwed up? I heard about this girl, Nelly, I think was dead. I'm not invested enough to quickly want to catch up on the episodes. So that's the best way I can really sum up, summarize it is that it was definitely interesting. 
I like the characters once again, but it's just, I don't know, it just didn't draw me. I got you. What about you, Regent, before I go on my sticky note tirade? Coming from a person who can perceive feelings from people and like just gauge general energy and like vibes. I mean, I felt bad for Theo just because being able to perceive them and having the impressions from objects when touching them gave that sense of like energy coming from that particular object. So I presume the episode in the episode about the door, that is the red door you're speaking of, correct? Yes, the red door is the red room. Okay, that's what I thought we were leading to with this episode. It's always weird, like in a horror suspense movie, there's always this particular object or item that it piques an interest. And then it's like, oh, what could this pertain to? Oh, it will come back to it later. Or, hey, we'll let it lurk and just keep reminding you that it's still there. So when it comes to this, but Theo, when it comes to touching, just reading through my notes and just what I got from the energy of the episode, it felt like very much an old, I don't know if either of you have seen this, but back when USA in the 90s, there was a TV show called The Dead Zone. Oh, yeah, I love The Dead Zone. Yeah. The Dead Zone was basically, he could see things happening, but also see it through touching and be like, okay, things are going to happen. We need to stop it or learn something new that helps out with the situation. It felt like that little nod to that TV show. So if anyone's not seen that in USA, it's only six seasons long, technically five and a half. Season six was only five episodes. Thanks, USA. But that's because they kicked up the sci-fi. I did like the part when she, when Theo actually goes to the morgue and goes to see Nell's body and like touches her forehead to figure out what happened to her and just like loses it. Understanding that person's pain without having that person try and tell you is a huge way of understanding somebody, but also just genuine reaction to that person, like knowing what they've gone through and what you could try to do to help or could not help with. All right. Are you ready for sticky note time? Get the rabbit hole ready, everyone. I was about to say, we're pretty used to it at this point. <laughs> a rabbit hole time. <laughs> So Theo is the stage of grief that is bargaining. Throughout her life, especially in her adult life, she's always bargaining for a better outcome for her childhood and for herself. And the way that she goes about that is she chose a career for the betterment of children because she sees herself in these kids. And the way that they set that up is super solid because the first child that you see her interact with is one that she heavily identifies with. She's like, we're kind of the same. We both build walls, both put up these structures so no one can ever hurt us. And that allows you to kind of put together that she chose this job because he, she sees the vulnerability and these defense mechanisms in these kids and she identifies with that. And she wants a better outcome for them, so therefore she identifies with that better outcome being for her as well. And then the way that she leads her life with accepting the money, trying to get a better job, better house, all of that. And then especially with how she approached Nell, trying to bargain with why Nell would even go to the house. Why would she do such a thing? And I think there's even a line where she says, she of all people knows what this can do to a family. And the way that they set this up was very good. I do not think Theo's setup for being the stage of grief was as good as the other kids, but... They did a good job with her as well. What I love about this episode the most, though, is the editing. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. This has to be one of my favorite episodes editing-wise because of the way that they jump back and forth between the past and the future. Whenever a character in the past opens up a door and they walk through it, typically, especially if it's Theo, when she steps through that door, she is now an adult. When she walk, closes a door, other character will open it back to the past or back to the future. And just the way that they transition each scene was just done so well. I enjoyed every moment of it from a artistic standpoint. And it kept me invested in the story, especially that ending with Theo touching Nellie's body, trying to figure out why she went there. And then of her just screaming. 
and we don't even know why, I had to watch the next episode. I really enjoyed this episode. There's not as much of a sticky note trail this time. Man, this episode. Oh boy. <laughs> so I do have a question for both of you about this episode. When Theo touched Nellie, what do you guys think she saw? Okay, well, <laughs> my answer is going to sound so bad because, like, I didn't finish the series. It's going to sound so ignorant to anybody who's finished it. But to be fair, obviously, I'm only a few episodes in. I actually didn't really pick up so heavily of her ability to read in so much stuff. I had some an idea because the whole thing about the guy that got arrested, you know, and then they obviously focused on her hand touching so much. They zoomed in so much on things. When she did that, the only reaction I got of it was like, oh, wow, she must just saw something dark. And that was it. I didn't put a lot of thought into it because I figured it's going to come up later. So it was just kind of like, oh, huh. I mean, I figured something dark had to happen Nelly anyway. So that's how simple it was, was like, oh, she must have saw something dark. And then I just kind of left it at that. Mm-hmm. Regent? I'm thinking she saw all the horrors that were going on inside the house. Mm, interesting theory. I can't wait to see which one of you is wrong, but... I feel like he's talking about both of us. One of you is closer than the other. In fact, one of you is pretty much on the money, and one of you is incredibly wrong. I'm going to toot my own horn, maybe. Toot, toot. There will be no confirmation nor denial. So, ha. (laughs) I just get to bask in the glory of knowing which one of you is right. Last question before we close this off. Cookie, would you continue watching if it wasn't for this podcast? I would, however, there's an asterisk to it. There's a lot I would watch before I would finish this. That's fair. Regent? Honestly, I'd probably rewatch it one more time to retake it, take it all back in. But outside of that, no. Like, it, it did not drive me enough to be like, oh, man, I got to get my closest friends and make them watch it with me. Or like, hey, did you see this episode and smack them? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, watch it now. Like, it, it didn't leave that impression on me. Can I ask a real question, though? Because, Regent, you don't really say that a lot anyway. So can you give us a scale? What type of series would you have that reaction with? Oh, man. That's going to be a problem because, like, I don't I don't watch enough TV to, or at least in this case, Netflix, to justify having that. Well, that's fair. That's why I kind of wanted our listeners to know that. Yeah. I kind of I knew that about you, but people listening wouldn't know. You could say, like, with me, we just recently released Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's yep. the one where, like, I had to watch it every Friday as it was coming out. Like, I'm not going to let too much time go by without watching it. However, for you, you weren't even on that scale with that either. No, but I also did do a one-day bender and watched all of it, all all of except episode one and two in one day. Honestly, the, ne- the next closest thing that's upcoming that I'm going to watch religiously, and I mean weekly, is going to be low-key. Okay, so Marvel products. Marvel in an instant, yes. Now, if my my love for Star Wars, if they would bring out, well, Bad Batch, I really need to binge watch that since that just came out literally yesterday. But if they do a Captain, this is just my, first of all, this is my taste, so everyone has their own spectrum when it comes to Star Wars. But if they do a actual full-fledged series based on Grand Admiral Thrawn, you can bet your bottom dollar I will be watching it, every episode of that, and talking with one of my groomsmen in my upcoming wedding about it, because he is a bigger fan of Thrawn than I am. But him and I have read all the all the books that are currently out and the audiobooks that have been recorded. Give me that. Yes, please. Okay. So that's, that's pretty much just a scale so we can understand. For you, there's not too many series that you would just drop everything to watch, pretty much demand your friends to watch it either. As an adult, no. The series could be a little bit higher on your list than someone like me. 
Yes. We were literally doing a Likert scale where Venture is 10 and you're zero. I'm probably going to be between a three and a four. But that's the thing. I'm not at a zero. I didn't say I didn't like it. Okay, then fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about that? How about this? The the willingness to watch it all over again. Venture would be a 10. You'd be around, what, a one or two? Fair enough, yeah. Okay, then I would be a three or four. Both of you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. I actually thought throughout his whole speech, he would have had put in higher regards. That's actually surprising for me. It's because all the horror movie tropes and nods to previous movies. Like, I don't mind when they're used, but when if it makes me think of other movies instead of this show, I, I, I feel like it becomes, I don't say watered down, but I lose favor towards it. Which ventures are applying our demise as we speak. Bring it back, though, Venture. Here you go. Here's your time. Your time is gone. This show is a masterpiece, and both of you are wrong. <laughs> Anywho. There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Aneurysm activated. I respect both of your opinions, and I can definitely see why both of you have this. I think it might affect my re next rewatch, but I. Okay, you're six rewatches in. I mean, like, <laughs> I think anybody could get worn out of a show at that point, <laughs> to be fair. Fair, fair. I mean, to be fair, I've watched pretty much every episode of South Park, I don't know how many times over, and it still has not phased me in a negative light. The Office for me. I've rewatched that so many times all the way through. I've lost count. This is definitely a show I could watch several times over, and it's one I do watch every Halloween since it came out, and it's one I just watch if I want to watch something incredibly character-based and something that has, like, that tragic, beautiful vibe to it, because it does have those tragic moments that are just beautifully written, and there are definitely episodes that are masterfully directed and choreographed if we do an episode on this again i'm definitely looking forward to talking about more episodes thank you both for joining me for another episode of this podcast absolutely yeah it was a good time it's 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 always fun to watch you be happy and glory as we pull the rug out from underneath you <laughs> Hmm. all right listeners thank you very much for listening if you did enjoy please go ahead and give us a like or a review it definitely helps to show up more whenever people search for us go ahead and share this podcast with a friend word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread a podcast and if you do have any recommendations or if you want us to watch the rest of the episodes which you should probably do because i want to talk about them go ahead and email us and I will put the email in the show notes and we can do more episodes. All right. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.